Hey there, I'm Russia Bowles. I'm Niela Graham. And this is the Can I Be Honest podcast. The podcast where we take our real life conversations online and serve nothing but honesty. So for today's episode, we decided that we wanted to get really honest and really real about the realities of being Black in America and just touch on, you know, Black Lives Matter, everything that's been going on, honestly, since June and sort of like the evolution of different companies and how their policies are now and just race relations in America. So I guess we can hop right into the first point and really talk about some of the people who were sadly affected by this sort of um, conversation, and that is Jacob Blake, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor. So, so yeah, obviously the most recent. Um... See, here's the thing. It, it's hard to, there's so many names. There are so many names. These are just three of them. Um, the mo- three most recent. Um, I mean, and not even recent, because there's also Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's just been countless, countless individuals who have lost their lives to police brutality and police aggression. Um, Jacob Blake is not dead, actually. He's alive. He was shot seven times in the back by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and George Floyd, we all know, died. Um, in late May um, in Minneapolis, um, Minnesota. Um, His neck was leaned on, like a knee was on his neck by a police officer because of a phony um, bill that he used to pay for something. Um, And Breonna Taylor was killed in Louisville, Kentucky back in March. Um, after cops busted into her home and shot her. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, they people are dying all the time from this, and whether their names are known or not um, is a whole other thing, because we know these names, but there are probably countless other people that we don't even know of their stories, and I guess that's the frustrating part, is, you know, it's great and all that people get their names become larger than them once they've died. Mm-hmm. But there are others out there. And yeah. no, but I mean, this, but that just shows how much of a problem this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we saw in June, the beginning of a very long conversation, a conversation that's been going on for a very long time. This is not the beginning. If you exactly. think, I'm sorry, no, it's not. Um, 2014, was, you know, a big time for conversations about Black Lives Matter and police brutality. Um, Michael Brown, um, Trayvon Martin, um, Eric Gardner here in New York, um, countless others, Sandra Bland. I mean, I could go on on and on. Um, This has been going on. This conversation has been a long one. Um, it's a necessary one and people are still not listening or they're dying yeah. conversation, which is problematic in itself. So. No, I agree. And it going back to what you said about like so many people 
so many people's names that we don't even know. It's so sad because like I see on Twitter and Instagram and all the time, like people putting out other people's names and I'm like, wow, like who are these people? But it's like people every single day. This is not just like, oh, this happens every few months. Like the amount of people that were probably killed from like 2014, when I guess you can say Black Lives Matter sort of like start organization to now is way more than the names like the five or six or even like 10 names that we hear constantly and I think like people really need to put that into perspective and a lot of people think like this isn't real and I've been seeing so many things on social media even like maybe if people were following what the police officers said to them like this wouldn't be happening to them and I think like people are saying that because they've never had to experience racism before so they don't know what it feels like to just walk or do something and like you're being judged by your skin color and they fail to realize that race relations runs deeper than like what people really think it does like it's in everyday culture white supremacy is in everything that we do for the most part like it's not just like a surface level problem it's really ingrained in our society and when people say like oh they should have just um listen to what the police officer said like do you know how many people who aren't black haven't listened to what the police officer said probably attacked them punched them in the face my mom was telling me about this video she just watched of this guy who literally like punched a police officer in his face did he pull out his gun and shoot him no why because he wasn't black that's all i have to say about that yeah, no i just and like there's a video going around at the moment i don't know where it's from um, but it's showing the same police officer having interactions with two different people. One of them is white. One of them is black. The white guy seems to be yelling, getting kind of mad. And, you know, the cop lets him go. The black guy does not get the same treatment. Um, and something that's also that something that's bothered me in particular, and I know it's probably bothered you. And it, I mean, Overall, I feel like you can just say it bothers everyone is the excuse of saying, well, he did this and he did that. Like some people have argued that, you know, George Floyd had methamphetamine in his system, which he did. Mm -hmm. That's an excuse for why his neck needed to be kneed on. Or Jacob Blake did have a knife. Okay, but if someone has a knife, is your immediate thing to shoot them seven times in the back, leaving potentially paralyzed for the rest of their life? Like, where is the logic? Where does that line up? Why are you making... No, that's so true. Yeah. The excuses are, are what's really frustrating because there's so many people that do the same exact thing and they are not... They are given sympathy. They are like, oh, I... He was... Maybe he was, you know, he had drugs in his system. Oh, like everyone carries a knife. Like that's what they would say if it was a white person. But because it's a black person, they try to then turn the conversation into them being a bad person. Whereas if it's a white person, they try to put out all the good before the bad. And it's honestly ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't understand why anyone could make an argument for the amount of aggression against black people by police or law enforcement. I, I do not understand how you can sit and make an argument that the action was necessary.
mm-hmm. when someone died. Exactly. On the opposite side, you have someone like 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse who decided, you know what? He saw some post on Facebook, to my understanding, which made him decide, you know what? I'm going to leave my home state of Illinois. I'm going to co- go to Kenosha, Wisconsin with a gun that was illegally purchased. And I'm going to protect property that is not mine in a state I don't live in. And then what happens? He shot three people, killed two of them, injured one. And he moved from one group to the other. And then, so the three people were not all in the same place. He shot one person to my understanding, then kept walking and then just started shooting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, the point is that he killed two people, protesters Mm -hmm. that are being currently identified by the president of the United States as dangerous, radical, leftist, Antifa people. And that narrative is allowing other people to go out and see and try to fix a problem that's not there. One that's up by the leader of our country. And this guy is now being hailed as a hero. Mm -hmm. And the way the president is talking about him is of a similar way. This guy Mm -hmm. did what needed to be done. He's 17 years old. He killed two people. Exactly. Like, I like, like what? It it doesn't make sense because it's like, I think the thing that just doesn't make sense to me is like, okay, you're condoning him killing two people. Like, just, just that in a sense makes no sense. Like, you're going to sit here and tell me you're going to condone a 17-year-old to go, like you said, out of his own home state, go to another state and kill two people. First of all, he's a minor. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. He doesn't, he can't even legally have the gun that he has. Regardless if it's, if it's a legal gun that it has a registration, he's 17 years old. So regardless, he can't use it. So I'm just like not understanding why people think it's okay to justify what he did. And then supposedly the police officers, I don't know if this happened before or after, please correct me if I'm wrong, were like, thank you for your service. Thank you for being here. What type of bullshit is that? Yeah, no. Really? There was video. I don't know when, what the timestamp is. I don't know if it's after or before they were like, thank you for your, what you're doing. You're really helping us because there are these militia groups going out thinking that they're police and they're not, and they're trying to help calm the situation. You're literally making it worse. You are making it worse. And the fact that police are seeing them and being like, oh, thank you so much. That just shows you a problem right there. There's a problem with the way our police departments are set up in this country. Mm-hmm. So when people are talking about defund the police, here's the thing I want to clarify. It gets me really annoyed. People hear defund and they immediately think, oh, my God, you want to get rid of police departments? No one said that. Defund? Break it down. Let's go elementary here. Defund is two words. D and fund. If you put D in front of something, it means minimize. 
period. Keep Fun- going, girl. Funding money, you know, giving money. Defund means taking some money away from police departments. And there's an argument for that. Why do police departments have tanks and giant guns and stuff that they just don't need? Why are police department budgets bigger than education budgets and um, emergency service budgets and whatnot? You can't fund public education, but you can fund police. And then you see what police are doing. That is the argument for defunding the police. No one ever said we're getting rid of police. No one said that. Mm-hmm. And if you if people continue to push that narrative that the radical left wing, no, people who are affected by this kind of violence and aggression are the ones saying defund. They want a change in their lives. They mm-hmm. don't want to get in a car and be worried if they get pulled over by the police, they could end up dead. Mm-hmm. That is the argument for defunding the police. Yeah. So Going to immediate opinion, actually stop to listen to what people are saying. Because it's clear nowadays, some people just don't care. They're not listening to the people whose lives are affected by this. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about white people. Yeah. They don't. And I feel like a lot of people, like you said, just like they hear a sentence, they hear like a line, and they just like, they don't even try to understand it. They just say, no, 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 no. I don't like it. I'm against it. I don't want to do it. And that can run back into 2013, 2014, when the whole Black Lives Matter organization started to start up. Nobody was saying Black Lives Matter back in 2013 and 2014. You had the hand groups of people who supported the organization, but it was a, some can disagree with me, but I personally feel like it was a very taboo topic. People did not want to say whether or not they supported Black Lives Matter or not. They didn't want to say it. They didn't want to, maybe they weren't racist, quote unquote, but they just, it made, it made them uncomfortable. They didn't fully understand what was going on. And now you see a huge shift where there are a lot more people saying, you know, like Black Lives Matter, like this is something that's important and we need to like get to the bottom of what's going on and improve our society. But it wasn't always like that. And I think like people need to understand that just because you see a line that says Black Lives Matter doesn't mean you fully comprehend what the organization is about. And I think that is exactly what was happening back in 2013 and 2014. People were just seeing the line and saying, yeah, I'm not Black, so why do I care about that? But the other thing with Black Lives Matter was that people heard that and went, no, 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 all lives matter. All lives matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, this is all about listening. People are not, their ears are not open. Their minds are not open. We never said that all lives don't matter. We're saying right now, we need to give special attention to black lives because they are under threat. We know that all lives matter. Mm -hmm. No one is diminishing other lives. Mm -hmm. We understand that they matter, but there are people out there who don't think that black lives matter. And that is the problem. Yeah. But then you've got the dumbasses who counter back with white lives matter, blue lives matter. Were you, oh, born- are you a member of the blue man group? Are you Papa <laughs> Smurf? <laughs> are you from Blue's Clues? No, I don't think so. I, 
thing. I'm sorry to say it. And I, if you just tuned out of the podcast because I just said that, bye. We don't want you. Um, blue lives are not a thing. That's a job. You were not born with a uh, police uniform on. And if you are, something weird. And, and, you know, I'm glad that you said that because I feel like people really need to comprehend that blue lives cannot matter because once you take the uniform off, what are you? You're, you're who, you're, your skin tone, right? Okay. So how can a blue life matter if you can choose when you're turning on and off the your uniform? Not really. I feel like that sounded like a light switch. Not really like a light switch, like turn it on and off. But you know what I mean? Like you can take off of your, you can take your uniform off. Whereas if you're a black person, you can't like change your skin color. You can't be like, hey doc, can you make me white today? And then next, can you, okay, you can't do that. And I'm sorry to like kind of make a joke out of it, but it's the truth. Like, I don't know how else people want me to break it down. Like you cannot choose not to be black. Like you're born and that's it. And it's like, it's sad that we as black people have to worry about our lives all the time and how we present ourselves to society and the things that we do and we say and we wear and we go because we're black and it's something that we cannot control. And that's what aggravates me the most, to be honest. Yeah. And the thing is, you're right in the sense that there is more support for BLM than there was before. So just for a little bit of background, because I just did a little bit of research, Black Lives Matter was formed in 2013, on July 13th, 2013, in reaction to the acquittal of George Zimmerman in the shooting death of Trayvon Martin. That was a big moment Mm -hmm. because Trayvon Martin should have not been shot. Yeah. He was shot because there's a stupid law in Florida called the stand your ground law, which essentially allows you to protect yourself. If you feel that you're under threat, which basically means you can shoot someone. If you think that your, your life is in danger. Uh, That is when BLM started now around that time people who were not black for the most part there probably were black people as well who didn't feel comfortable saying black lives matter Mm -hmm. um it was not something that is as accepted as it is now there are still people obviously that are against it um including our wonderful president um but a recent pew um poll found that about 38 percent of um u.s adults strongly support Black Lives Matter. Um, The sentiment is particularly strong among Black Americans, although majorities of white, 60%, Hispanic, 77%, and Asian, 75%, express some support as well. Um, So numbers are definitely up. In D.C., they painted Black Lives Matter on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, They did it in front of Trump Tower here in New York City. Both of those, to my understanding, have been vandalized several times. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, why? You really had time out of your day to buy paint and throw it on something that people spent a good amount of their day and days working on? Like, what is exactly. wrong with you? You clearly have too much time on your hands. Exactly. But, um, the NBA put it on their bubble court. 
down. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if you follow sports like me, um, last week there was a major protest in the NBA. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks did not take the court for their um, first round playoff game against the Orlando Magic. They stayed in the locker room. And there were rumblings that they could be um, not going on strike. Mm-hmm. Forgetting the word that was used. Boycott. Mm. Boycotting their game. Because the city of Kenosha is about 40 minutes from Milwaukee. Cool. And one of the players for the Milwaukee Bucks was um, punched by Milwaukee PD. So it's personal for the team. Their coach as well was coaching a player in Atlanta who had his leg broken by the NYPD. So oh, wow. very quickly what ended up happening was other teams were like, we're not going to play, we're not going to play, we're not going to play. And it, you know, it sent a very strong message. Some criticized what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. You've got here, and this is what was pointed out. A lot of these basketball players, if not all of them, are from areas of the country where they mm-hmm. understand what it's like to live in low-income housing or experience violence on a regular basis. And by getting into basketball, they're trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Ban that community. And they've made it to the top. I mean, basketball players are revered for a reason. They are successful black men and women. Mm-hmm. WNA is just as important. Yeah. Who have made a name for themselves in a sport that they love. And they've inspired young people who look like them to do the same. Yeah. So to criticize them is really dumb. I'm sorry. Like, like why? Mm-hmm. And they send a message. And now... What has ended up happening is they came to an agreement with the owners of the teams. They said, we want you to be more involved. And now I think almost every arena that the NBA has a team that plays in will be turned into a voting center for the November. Yeah. That is how you get change. Exactly. So. Yes. Niela. Dropping the the points, girl. (laughs) Um, But I do want to say something about the NBA protests, you know, the WNBA, they had, I don't know what team it was. I don't really follow basketball like that, but it was one of the WNBA teams and they all like had these shirts on with like seven fake bullet holes in it. Don't know the team name. Niela is probably going to find it in like 0.5 seconds, but I thought that was really powerful too. And just like the way that these, I guess like even sports organizations are really sort of honestly shocking me because I know the MLB they had postponed some games as well and to be honest with you like wasn't really expecting that from them the Mets and the Marlins came out onto the field kneeled for the national anthem and then left didn't play their game and they left a Black Lives Matter shirt on home plate this is how we know that I feel like more and more people are truly taking the time to understand what is going on and are not just like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to understand. And I, and I appreciate that because not just seeing it from like black people and not just seeing it from like, you know, regular activists, but seeing it from like 
large organizations, you know, people that are popular in the sports industry, like that's really important to me. And I'm glad that we're slowly but surely making some progress. And hopefully, as the years go on, more people sort of get on board and realize like this is a legit issue that we need to concentrate on. Yeah. Now, I believe it was the Washington, yeah, the Washington Mystics. That's the WNBA team that wore those shirts. Um, and yeah, it had seven bullet holes in the back. Um, and the Atlanta team, I don't know what their um, mascot is, but their owner mm-hmm. has come out and said that she's like, She's against Black Lives Matter. She sees it as like a radical left-wing organization. And yeah, it's caused problems because oh, wow. you should have known not to say that. Yeah. A dream. The Atlanta dream. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's important that people who have platforms use them, I think. Because there's there is so much that you know we as citizens, normal everyday citizens, can do. But when you have individuals who have lived experiences and can use their platform in really good ways, you can really make change. So you know the NBA NBA protest was very powerful. Okay, so going back into I guess talking a little bit more about racial biases. One of the questions that we had in our notes was, are racial biases only formed from things we see in the media or from what our family tells us? It's 50-50. Yeah, it is. It's definitely 50-50 because I feel like, obviously, you're going to hear things from your family first, like as you're growing up, before you even realize what the media is or even if you didn't grow up with like social media I guess it doesn't really matter and then I feel like slowly when you're put in other environments like school you hear things that your teachers say you start watching tv I feel like then you sort of start to form your quote-unquote own opinion but sometimes the own opinion is heavily influenced by everything else you see around yourself so I agree yeah, and I think what's important here racial biases, it's not only about people, there are racial biases that people get told in their family. It's all races that suffer from this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to identify that because I think as we get older, we have to look back at what we've been told and do reflecting for ourselves and educating ourselves about was and if it's not how do we correct Mm -hmm. that if we can hold on to those things and then meet someone who's different from us and say something and not even realize that we shouldn't have said that in the first Mm -hmm. place and yeah so there's there's family influence and there's also media influence um and i think I think additional to racial biases, it's like, do you see yourself in the things you're watching on television and the movies that you watch? Mm-hmm. Because that's a big conversation too nowadays is diversity mm-hmm. in characters, storylines, and whatnot. I think there's more things, but I don't think there's nearly enough. Yeah. That 
No, that's so true. One thing that I did notice, I don't know if you guys watched Lifetime Movie Network. Great stuff there. Honestly, I feel like they have some diverse characters. Like, I feel like when people see, like, Black people in movies, I feel like they always see, like, stereotypically the same thing. You know, lighter skin, looser hair, whatever it is. But Lifetime, they've been coming out with people of all skin tones. This one girl, she had twists in her hair. I was shocked. I was like, twist? Excuse me. Because, you know, you don't see that. Like, you don't see various different hairstyles. You don't see various different skin tones all the time. Especially people just, like, playing regular characters, not, like, anything specific. So I think if you guys want to see some diverse movies and shows, definitely go watch Lifetime. But... I think like a lot, a lot more networks can take some inspiration from Lifetime and really look. There's not one specific look that is quote unquote ideal. Everyone needs to be represented some way, somehow in entertainment. And it would be better if they start incorporating real stories and real people in these shows and movies. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of examples of things now. Well, I mean, sad story, but, you know, Black Panther. Yeah. Um, Major Marvel superhero who's Black and tells a story that's connected to um, African roots and the success that that film had. I mean, the monumental success that film had. Um, Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Um, I mean, that, I mean, this, the things that are coming out in the wake of his death about, you know, little black boys being inspired by him and doing the Wakanda forever, you know, um, pose. It's just, it's heartbreaking, but it's great to see people able to see themselves in the characters that they love. Um, and that's a major part of, you know, being able to feel like you're accepted in the country you live in or you know you're able to have confidence in who you are is seeing yourself on screen and not in a stereotypical way that makes you go ew that's not me yeah no that's so true like I feel like when I was growing up obviously both of us were the the same age practically (laughs) um I feel like just like watching shows or like reading books I'm like, I guess I saw some people I could somewhat relate to, but not always. And I don't know if that like affected me. Maybe it did. Probably it did. But I'm glad that like now there are more books with like little black girls, like learning how to do their hair and just like different things that like are really inspiring to people growing up. And it like, like, like Miela said, it shows them that like you are accepted in the society, like you are seen. It's not just, like, everyone that looks like a Barbie doll. So, yeah. Um, and I think something that's interesting going back to racial bias is, I don't know how many people have seen 13th. It is, I think it just should be, like, standard viewing for everyone. Oh, yeah. is very raw and and it shows you things that you don't want to see but because it just mm-hmm. get you the reality um and there's a part of it where 
they're talking about this film that came out I think in like the 1910 mm-hmm. called The Birth of a Nation. And it was essentially a KKK. Yeah. Uh, and I think it started the myth of the black rapist. Mm-hmm. Because in where this, and here's the thing, all the black people in that film are white people in blackface. Which is ridiculous. And like you can tell. Yeah. Because weird. Um, it doesn't look natural. And there's like a they just show a, a black man um trying to um rape a white woman. And I think that in itself has helped perpetuate the idea that some people have going back to racial bias. Mm-hmm. That, you know, black and they're, you know, they they're sat isn't and you could probably that bias all the way back to slavery. Mm-hmm. Idea of, you know, black men and need to be, which is now mm-hmm. we're seeing with now and then be scared for you. Like, mm-hmm. it's a radical movement. Um, and seeing that film and Wilson, President States, had that film screwed in the White House. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's is like, like, that was a hundred years ago. If you really think about it, that was not that long ago. No, not that long ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it screened in the White House. It was like a whole big thing. Wow. And they were probably like, this is such a groundbreaking film. Like, this is going to change things. Exactly. Yeah, put the KKK on the map. Like... Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, like you said, there were things that people saw in the movie, just assumed was true, talked about it in their family. They probably thought about it for the rest of their, li- their lives, tossed it on to their kids, and the cycle continues. So. And speaking of the cycle continuing, there is an Iceland docuseries called Hate Thy Neighbor. I think it's really interesting because... Um, the first season deals with hate groups, not only in the United States, mm-hmm. but in other countries. Yeah. And the first episode is about white nationalists in this country, mm-hmm. um, particularly members of the KKK and the uh, Nazi party. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is kind of scary to know these people are so close to you because one of the guys the, by the way the guy who hosts this show he is biracial he's english he went to go interview a guy who lives in pennsylvania and his house is just like flanked with um confederate flag the symbol of the nazis which is the eagle um all his kids have German. His wife is worse than he is. He's let the into their home. Clearly, the guy's in her home. Yeah. She, she's, and he's like, you don't like that I'm here. And she, like, won't look at him. Like, she won't make eye contact. Um, and then they, you meet the guy who's the head of the whole mm-hmm. socialist movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
not national soldiers, no. The um, basically at the white power party in the United States. He's scary. Then they go to a KKK cross burning Russia oh in land country, Georgia. The, the, the guy who hosts the show is the opposite side of the road from the bar, which has the field behind it where they're going to do this burning. He's been told mm-hmm. he cannot cross over across the road. It was like the border between like Georgia and like clan country where the rules over, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he did that. We don't want the way it was said to him was kind of don't care if you'll get hurt because that's just what's gonna. But they told him to sit on the other side. Out of the, he's this guy, this biracial man. I don't like that you're watching us, so you better just cross the street. He watches this. Um, this cross burning take place and he's got a headset in mm-hmm. and these people who have come here don't know that he what everything they're saying things they were saying russia about him were truly disturbing like just like is yeah. open this these is these you know these biases these um thoughts and prejudices against people just because of the color of their skin have moved from generation to generation, generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my God. That's so scary. You should watch it. It's eye opening. Okay. I'm going to watch it, but I'm just going to be like cringing the whole time. So speaking of the KKK ascendance, I never thought I would say, um, also that kind of rhymed. Okay. <laughs> Confederate statues is much of a conversation at the moment as well. Um, people for some why, one, why are you holding on to the Confederate flag? Mm-hmm. Um, the Confederate side lost and they lost for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, statues were put up around the same time as Jim Crow. They were put up as a sign to black people, stay in your place. Um, And if I hear one more person use the argument of what the fighting for was states' rights, yeah, it was states' rights to keep black people as slaves. End of discussion. Like, yes, the statues need to come down. And no, we're not erasing history. Have you learned history? That's not how that works. Um, yeah, that was such a weird statement. Right? Like, you're not erasing anything. The history's still there. The history's never going to go away. You're just taking down a statue that doesn't need to be there, one. It's offensive. And just downright, like, no one wants to walk by that all the time. Like, I don't understand why people would think that's offensive. Or that it needs to say. Yeah, and I just, like, statues are to memorialize something you want to remember and you want people to have, 
I guess, fun remembrance of. Mm -hmm. Why would you have statues to individuals who are essentially traitors to the country? They split from the United States and fought them for something that would have destroyed the country. Like, why do you want to uphold those people? Also, why do you live in New York State and have a Confederate flag? Because let's really talk about... Yeah, that's kind of... It it doesn't make much sense. Truly. It doesn't make sense. It's just weird. Like, I remember in Plattsburgh, they were like, you know, the, the people that used to drive around with their, the back, like, their tinted out pickup truck with the Confederate flag on the back of it. Or, like, people yeah. would walk through campus with the Confederate flag. I'm like, what are you trying to, like, what is, what are you trying to send to us? Because, like, at the end of the day, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay <laughs> right here. So, you walking through campus with your Confederate flag, sweatshirt, sweatpants, and shoes? Like, what is that doing? And also, you look ugly. Sorry. But you look, like, you look hideous. And you just look dumb. Because it's like, you're going to walk through campus. You're not, okay, I'm not telling you to say anything to me. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm like, okay, you got all dressed up to walk through our campus with all your Confederate flag gear on. Then you don't say anything to anyone. Do you think that you're that threatening? Because you're not. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no. Like, also, why are you using it as a sign of aggression? There's a problem there. Mm Mm-hmm. That you're using that to like be like, oh, look, look at me. Yeah, you're holding on to something that's dead. Exactly. Like, you look like an idiot. All right. So hopping into what does our generation need to do to sort of fight this problem? I don't want to say sort of. It is. To fight this problem, make some change, make some progress, and hopefully in a few years we'll have a better country. I mean, I feel like people's ideologies and how they think and how accepting they are has definitely shifted over the past few months but to even to make it even better okay so the first one is please this is all i need you to do go and vote in november for the most important election ever please okay maybe not the most important some may argue with me it is right okay I think it is. Thank you, Niela. See, this is why we have a podcast. Because I know Niela's going to back me on 99.9% of the things I say. A hundred percent. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) No. And here's the thing. I'm not, I don't want to get political. I don't want to. But I'm going to for like two minutes. So just listen up. Not only vote, but I'm sorry to say that. Because here's the thing. You should be voting and it shouldn't matter like, like, and in a regular, I guess, time, it shouldn't matter if you're voting for whatever. But I feel like it's very important in this time that you vote for one thing and one thing only because, I'm sorry to say it, but if you can't see that our current president is using scare tactics and um, using Black people as scapegoats, then you clearly don't see what the problem is here. I mean, the man is saying that Black Lives Matter and is are radical terrorists, and they're not, and they're they're burning cities. They're not. Um, 
Mm-hmm. By the way, there have been a couple of fires places, but like cities are not burning. Burning down to the ground. Like it, that's not happening. He's having vivid dreams because that's not happening. Um, like I'm like sorry to say it, but that that man is not. He's going to destroy all of us. He so, is. Um. Yeah. They also because y'all need to just go and. Sorry, I'm gonna just say the name, Mr. Joe Biden. Get him in office, okay? Because I think first of all, so many people think we, Joe's got it. Joe's gonna win. Joe, we, yeah, we want Joe to win. But I think people also fail to realize there are a lot of people that still are gonna vote for Trump. So y'all need to get your butts up and go and vote because this is gonna be a close election. And I really don't want another four years of him in that damn White House because it's just going to get even worse than it is now. Also, going back to what Niella said about the whole using black people as a scapegoat thing, I don't know if many people saw this, but I want to say maybe a week or two ago, there were some interviews done with some residents of the New York public housing. Oh, I did see that. And you saw that, right? And this woman from the... Trump administration, I believe, or someone who's a part of his campaign, decided that she wanted to go and interview some of these residents of the public housing to hear about their experiences there, maybe any problems that they may have had. Little did they know that the interview was going to end up being shown at the Republican National Convention, making it seem like they were Trump supporters when they were not. And mind you, most of these people were Black people or people of color. So that also shows you that He's going to do whatever he needs to do to make it seem like certain people are on his side when that's not the truth. I just like, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. And then the woman had the audacity to say they knew what they were getting themselves into. No, they didn't. I don't think so. Like, what? So... Yeah. And like somebody, he was at a press conference yesterday in Kenosha um, and somebody asked him about the role of systemic racism and all of this. And he goes, we're not talking about that. We're talking like, that's not, he basically waved them off. It's like, that's not important. We're not, no. Like, uh, excuse me. (laughs) So yeah, please vote Joe and Kamala. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I don't like forcing people to vote for one side or the other because I don't think that's, you know, the way it should go. But these are different times. So please, please do what you got to do, man. Um, the next point we have is come together more. This is across races, genders, um, economic back- um sexual orientations, you know, all those defining things, um, whether you're able-bodied or not. I mean, just coming together more. We need that more than ever. People need to understand the experiences of those who don't look like them or identify as them more than ever. Mm-hmm. You can't just stick to your own comfortable bubble. Mm-hmm. And be like, back me, so I'm not gonna, no. Sit down with someone, 
listen to someone's story, really listen because we need that more than ever. This is not just a one group of people are going to fight this fight. It has to be everyone. Everyone has to understand each other's experiences. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like I've said it several times in this episode, we don't listen enough. We need to listen more. Mm-hmm. Very true. So the next one is, please do not sit back, be quiet, and be quiet when you see racial injustice happening in front of you. I think this is something that can be uncomfortable to do. I 100% understand how uncomfortable it can be when you see a situation happening and you're like, "Mm, I don't know whether or not I should put myself in this situation. I don't know what I need to do. This is how I personally think people need to handle it. If you think it is safe, because I think everyone's safety is number one. If you think it is safe for you to go and interject in a situation that you see is happening, I think you need to do it. If you think that someone is getting overly aggressive, I think that there are other things that you can do to sort of resolve the situation. But if you are seeing something happen in front of your eyes, even like in a supermarket, because you'd be surprised, people do some crazy things in supermarkets. If you see someone just say a little comment to someone, just be like, hey, don't say that. Or you should, pro- you should probably watch the things that you say or even check on the person who is the victim of the situation and make sure that they're doing okay before you leave the scene, per se. Because I feel like people see things happen all the time and they just, like, take out their phone and record or they just, like, pretend like they don't see what's happening. And people really need to realize that we're all humans and we all have emotions and, like, you need to address people if you see that they're in distress. Boom. Um, another bullet point. Stop assuming you know things about a specific race because of things you've seen or heard. This goes back to the racial bias. Um, yeah. Like, you don't know all things about a specific race unless you've talked to someone mm-hmm. and educated yourself. Do not trust what someone in your family has told you or... You need to find things yourself and you need to listen to others. Listen, 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 listen. I can't stress it enough. Yeah. I think it's also important to realize that, like, just because you know multiple people in the same race does not mean that they're all the same and they like the same things and they do the same things. Because Niela knows, I love me some country music, man. And you don't know how many times... People have said to me, I didn't know black people like country music. Do you know how many black country artists there are? Yeah, I think that black people can like country music. So it's like, stop assuming things just because you're like, oh, because I've heard this from people too. Oh yeah, all black people love hip hop and rap. You know how many black people do not like hip hop and rap? Like, just leave people alone. Stop assuming because there's a majority of this specific race and this I don't know, sport or this music genre or whatever it is, that doesn't mean that everyone in that race likes those things. Um, yep. The next one is make an effort to diversify those you surround yourself with. And please stop making it performative because it's very obvious. Um, I think it's important that You know, there are a lot of people who maybe grew up in predominantly white or predominantly black neighborhoods or school systems or whatever it is, 
where you don't get much diversity in a sense of like your friend group, everyone sort of looks like you. But I think it's important if you have the opportunity to, to talk to new people and try to diversify the people you surround yourself with. They may not always have to be your best buddies, but you have a sense of like how other people are because it's kind of a joke when like people just post up with their like one black friend on Instagram, like, hey, I'm not racist. We're at the pool together. Like, can we not? <laughs> it's, it's a joke. Like, and then you look through their entire like Instagram feed and you see that that was like the only picture with a diverse group of friends. There was a recent thing on Twitter. People were showing that some people who posted black squares on Instagram then the next day posted like a photo of them on a boat with a Trump band. Like, like really? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, read books, watch films, educate yourself. Um, books and films can be really great. Um, but you also need to be aware of what you're watching too. And like, if it's going to help or not. So as an example, in early June, when the protests were, um, happening and ramping up in reaction to death of George Floyd, Netflix reported that people watching the help had up. Now I'm sorry. I've actually never seen, I don't think I'm ever going to watch it. Because it's one of those films that just like, one, I don't, I feel like there's been enough films made about like that period of time. Mm-hmm. That, um, I can watch other things. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, there's some great performances in it, but like, why? Why did you think I'm going to help my? help the cause and I'm going to watch the help and I'm going to brag about it too. It, the thing that is so weird to me is like, I've seen the movie a few times. I, it's the one with the, with the, um, the shit pie. That's the one. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> like that specific scene is so funny. I've seen that scene. Like, yeah. It's like, it's a type of movie that it doesn't, I don't know. I personally don't think that it really helps you understand how black people may be feel i think it just shows you how they were treated back then and how some of that behavior has still carried on into present day but it doesn't really give you any sort of guidance on how to make a change also bryce dallas howard and viola davis have both come out and said they wish they never did that film Bryce Dallas Howard is white. Viola Davis is black. So you got both sides saying, I wish I didn't do that. Because they see the problem with it. Yeah. So if you do want to watch some films that are good, um, 13th, as I said before, is a great documentary about um, the 13th Amendment and how it didn't really get rid of slavery. Um, That is still going on in a less um, seen way. Um, there's also, I would, I would also recommend watching documentaries about prison abolition. 
those are really interesting how um, the prison industrial complex affects people when they get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear white people. Now, here's the thing. That title, you're probably like, wait, what? The movie was good. I didn't watch the show that much because I felt like, what can they really do with this? I may be wrong. And if you think I'm wrong, let me know. Mm-hmm. I like film because as somebody who went to a PWI, I feel like that movie got the crux of that experience mm-hmm. and like to be a minority at a predominantly white institution mm-hmm. um, and how you kind of have to band together or somebody, you know, sees is seen as violating that unity. What is like, I feel like it just gets it at all angles and it's really good. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that film. Um, I'd also recommend um, Black Klansman. Mm. That's a movie. Um, there's a movie coming out about Fred Hampton that looks really good um, called Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's some really great films that you can watch. Um, and I guess also just like learning more about lesser known like historical figures and even like historical events so one thing that we we wrote down was something called sundown towns i don't know if everyone's familiar with that but there are towns within america that used to be and are still keep that one in your brain sundown towns being that black people are not allowed to be in the town past the sun going down pretty much that's it's pretty you know, obvious there. Um, but there are a lot of towns still in America to this day because I was reading a lot of Twitter threads and then I started watching this docu-series where you literally, like, when you see that sun, like, starting to hit the horizon, you better be on your way out of the town. Like, horrible things have happened to people because they were in sundown towns and they didn't even know. I was reading a um, Twitter thread about this girl who was on, like, I think a cross-country road trip And she decided that she wanted to take a break driving with some of her friends. And it was a pretty like diverse friend group. It was like, you know, some white people, black people, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. And I'm telling you, like they got to this motel, I guess in like the middle of the night, stepped out and tried to go into like, you know, like the little office they have in those. And he was like, no, you cannot stay here. And she was like, do you have like any vacancy? He was like, no, we like do not serve your kind. You need to get out of this town now. Like, imagine that happening to you. You don't even know where you are. That's number one. This person is telling you we do not serve your kind. Like, I mean, it's not like you don't know what that means, but it's like... Your kind is a really despicable way to describe somebody. Exactly. It makes them sound like an other. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I could not even imagine the terror that was probably running through this person when they heard that. And they had to, like, rush out of this town. Because from what I've read and heard, if you're caught in that town after, not, after the sun goes down, who knows what could happen to you? And I don't think many people are going to be there to try to come to your rescue and help you. So that's also something, as Black people, you need to be aware of. Like, when you're going and traveling, like, make sure you're researching where you're going. And it's sad to say, because I feel like, why do we have to really do that and take that time? But it's for your safety. 
Um, another lesser known historical event is Seneca Village. I don't know if you guys know about that. It was a little village on the Upper West Side. Well, it's now known as the Upper West Side. Um, it's right in like an area on 86th Street where Central Park now is. And when they were getting ready to build Central Park and thinking about putting in the plans, they actually went and destroyed this predominantly, I want to say like wealthier black neighborhood that was doing really well. Um, and it was called Seneca Village. And they went and just like destroyed their neighborhood to then build Central Park over it. And when um, historians were going back and like digging through where their village was, they found so many like amazing artifacts that really showed that it was a really thriving village. So if you are ever near Central Park and you walk through the 86th Street, little entrance, they have like some displays and things about Seneca Village that you guys should definitely read about because it's super interesting. And it just goes to show that like our villages and our towns and our communities have been destroyed for years. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, adding to the list of books, um, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander is a book that's talked about a lot, but it's very good and I would highly recommend it to everyone. Um, It's essentially how the new Jim Crow system is mass incarceration and Mm -hmm. how as incarceration, find themselves disenfranchised. Um, they lose voting rights. They can be discriminated against from housing, jobs. I mean, you name it. Um, and it's quite eye-opening because, I mean, a lot of these things, I feel like people think they're gone. They're not around anymore. And that's truly not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a... Also, woman, race, and class. I had to read this book for my feminist theory class in college um, it's by Angela Davis, the Angela Davis. Um, she is, without a doubt, I think one of the great living um, activists who can tell a lot about the time of the Black Panthers and can, you know, reflect into what we should be doing now as a generation and as a society in um, deconstructing racism and women, race, and class. I love so much because it does it. It retells history you've been taught, but tells you things you didn't know before. So there's a whole chapter on the um, history of birth control in the United States and how a lot of um, people who were in the birth in the first wave of birth control movement were also following eugenics. You don't know what eugenics is. It's essentially this idea that. Some races, particularly white, were more scientifically, I put scientifically in quotations, advanced than others and put, again, put forward scientific arguments about why black people were inferior. And some modern birth control sought to um, make sure that black women couldn't have children so they weren't reproducing what they thought were an inferior race. It's quite eye-opening and it's something you don't get taught a lot about. Also about how the first wave of feminism, as well as the second, were really, didn't include black people. Like they they just didn't. And I had an interaction once um, at the Clinton County Historical um, Society in Plattsburgh. I went in with my friend Gina 
we were dropping off magazines to the historical society because they'd helped on a story. And they had an exhibit up at the time about the suffragettes. Mm-hmm. Like the clothes that they wore and all the stuff. And the woman tried to get us to stay to watch a film. And she said to me and Gina, you know, they fought for your right to vote. And I'm standing there. <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't fight for my right to vote. I was so offended. I was like, oh my really? God. Dang, but also no. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. That was probably so uncomfortable. Oh my God. I was like, I wanted to leave before, but when she said that, I was like, I need to go. I don't yeah. like it here. <laughs> so, um, final question. Will racism ever go away? No. No? Good. We're on the same page. (laughs) Okay. I wanted to make sure. Um, I feel like racism is so complex. It's too complex of an issue to fully go away. I think like... It's ingrained in us. Exactly. Exactly. It's ingrained in everything. Yeah. You look at someone and you immediately see their race. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a structure that is built into our society. Whether we like it or not, it's been there from the start. And that's the problem, mm-hmm. is that it's been there from the start. We're always going to look at each other and immediately first thing, see someone's race. And the people who are like, I'm colorblind, I don't see people's race. Oh my God. Those people drive me crazy. Like, stop saying that, because you know you do. What needs to be less of a thing is looking at someone's race and assuming something about them off the color of their skin. Exactly. Exactly. And I think just, like, thinking about, thinking back on, like, situations that I've been in or, like, comments that people have said, like, people really do assume a lot of things. Like, you probably haven't even had a conversation with them and like they'll see you maybe ask where you're from where you grew up and it's like oh yeah have you experienced this 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 and this like I literally will never forget this I remember one time I interacted with this woman I'm not going to say specifically where because it's just I don't think it's appropriate but I was interacting with this woman and she said to me, she was like, oh, like, where are you from? I was like, oh, I'm from the Bronx. She literally said to me, oh, did you hear gunshots at night? What? Uh, really? <laughs> um, like, what? And it, it's crazy to me because I feel like so many people think that, like, the Bronx is just, like, the worst place to live. And I think what people don't realize is there are bad places everywhere. There are bad, bad areas everywhere. And just because you're from a area or a town or a borough or wherever where people think, oh my gosh, it's so bad there, does not mean you live in the bad area. <laughs> so I think people also, when it comes down to just like talking to people, stop just assuming when people say certain things about their life or whatever, that certain things have happened to them or they have experienced certain things because that is not the case. And I feel like we've talked about that throughout this entire episode 
on listening more and stop assuming. I also, think- I myself, because earlier I said that here's the thing. I was in my brain, I was separating race and race. Race is someone's skin color, you know. Mm-hmm. Racism, I'll literally read you the definition. So just Googled it. Mm-hmm. Prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, mm-hmm. typically one that is a minority or marginalized. And earlier I said looking at someone and, and assuming something about them. That's racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I still stick to the thing that it's never going to go away because that sentence I just read is going to be ingrained in our heads whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. But dismantling institutional forms of racism is also important because yeah. that is you see mass discrimination of individuals. Yeah. I mean, this is a, now I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, this is a complicated thing. Mm-hmm. All of it's bad. Yeah. But will we ever be free of it? I don't think so. I just hope and like pray that we get to a point where if you are racist, it will sort of be like a, like a shunning. No, I don't want to say it like that. It should be but more of just like, oh, like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, we're, we're going to stay away from you. Like, you're, you're wrong. Like, you're, you're not welcome sort of thing. And it will sort of be like this really, really small percentage of people who are just actively racist. And everyone else is sort of just like steering clear from them. But I think that's going to take a lot of years, a lot of hard work, a lot of self-reflection within people, realizing the things that they say and do, um, and really just like analyzing the things that you were taught and just the things that you assume and think and say, and just reflecting on that as well. Yeah. Oh, it's complicated. And... It's, this is, that's the thing. You said it's going to take a long time. It is. It's not, this is not an overnight thing. Um, I pray that this, like, conversation we're having now and these movements that we're having are not going to die down because that's not going to help. Um, this needs to be a continued conversation, and this can't be something that just gets pushed to the side. Um, it affects all walks of life, everything we do. Um, so, yeah. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We upload new episodes every Friday, so you can start your weekend off right. Niello, where can people listen to our podcasts? They can listen on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else they listen to podcasts. All the links can be found at our Instagram, at can I be honest underscore pod. See you next Friday. Bye.